in your Bibles this morning, Psalm chapter number 1. Psalm chapter 1. I don't know if you're like me, but there's a number of scriptures that I continually go to that give me encouragement and help and strength. And Psalm 1 is one of those places. And uh, it convicts me and challenges me. And also I rest in the promises we find in the first Psalm. You know, we live in a world where there's lots of people looking for the ability to be happy. Folks are looking for happiness in all kinds of places and most of the time the wrong place. And uh, when we come to the book of Psalms and we come to the very first Psalm, Psalm 1, uh, we see the key to happiness according to the Bible. And I'll just tell you, if you want to find out how to be happy, you find out how to be happy from your Creator. And God shows us some things. The Bible says in Psalm 1, beginning in verse 1, I'll read these six verses to you, and we'll study this together this morning as I preach God's Word. Psalm 1, 1, the Bible says, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree, Planted by the rivers of water, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season, his leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. We come to chapter 1 of the book of Psalms, the very first psalm, and the Bible says, blessed is the man. You may have heard other people say blessed. Either way is just fine. Blessed. Let me give you the definition of the word blessed, a very simple definition of the word blessed. He is happy, content, satisfied, complete. You see, when we are God-blessed, then we have something that is very special, and the blessing of God produces a spirit that is happy, happy. I don't know about you, but I want to be blessed of God. I want happiness. I want to be satisfied. I want rest in my soul. And the Bible gives us some insight into how to be that kind of Christian, how to have the blessing of God on our life. And it's not rocket science, and it's something that certainly we can all understand, but some things that we often and easily forsake in our lives and all, even excuse. We'll begin in verse number one. And in my Bible, I've written two little words beside verse number one because the first step to being happy is there's some things that we should not do. In my Bible, I've written right beside verse number one, do not. And uh, a lot of folks, they don't like the prohibitions of the Bible. But I'll tell you, anytime that God tells you not to do something, it's not because he's the cosmic killjoy of sorts. It's because God knows you and loves you and wants to protect you from getting involved in things that ultimately will hurt you and hurt the people around you and the people who follow you. And so when we come to Psalm 1, verse number 1, we are told some things that we are not to do. And the Bible says in verse 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seed of the scornful. You see these action words, walk, walketh, standeth, sitteth. It's a progression. You, you walk, you stand, you sit. 
And the Bible says that we're to walk not in the counsel of the ungodly. We're not supposed to be walking in the recommendations of ungodly and ungodliness. We're not to stand in the way of sinners and doing the same things, standing for taking in the th- same things that uh, sinners are taking or being part of. And we're not to sit in the sea that's scornful. But we've got to see that this is a progression. And the progression is leads us to a final destiny and an end. You see, sin is a very tragic thing. Have you ever met somebody... In the beginning of their youth, they say, you know what? (laughs) When I grow up, I can't wait to totally ruin my life. It's going to be awesome. We don't do that. But how many times do we meet people that ruin their lives? I've never performed a wedding ceremony where the husband and wife thought, well, you know, this might last for three or four weeks. We don't start things that way, but, you know, often marriages end in great tragedy and trouble. You see, sin is something that most of the time starts small and builds to something that is so egregious and so entrapping that there's no escape. And so the Bible says, now look, if you're going to be blessed, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the sea of the scornful. It, you're going to have to, whatever stage of sin and sinful behavior you found yourself in, you are going to have to turn from your sin and determine to live a righteous life. Doing good does not get you to heaven. We're saved by grace through faith. But I'll tell you something. Doing right and righteousness and obeying God is the most freeing habit that any person can ever be part of. And falling prey to the sins of the world, excusing your sinful behavior that you know God has prohibited in his word, is the fastest way possible to rob yourself of the joy, happiness, and the brightness of the future that God has planned for you. And so God in love says, hey, look, if you want to be happy, you're going to have to stay away from sin. That's our first point. If you're going to be happy... You're going to have to stay away from sin. you to stay away from sin. You're going to have to prevent the walking, standing, and sitting. You're going to have to stop the progression of sin right in its tracks and say no to wickedness and yes to God. And I'll just tell you something. When you determine with your heart to live for the glory of God and righteously, let me tell you, you're not going to be perfect about it. You're going to have oopsies along. Have you ever had an oopsie? You're going to have oopsies along the way, but let me tell you, when it's in your heart and God puts it in your heart and you determine with your life to live for God and his glory, you're going to be so glad that you did because the Bible tells us the blessed man stays away from sin. He stays away from sin. I want to illustrate this point for you. I probably may have told you the story. I don't know. I don't remember for sure. But just in case I haven't, this is a really great way to talk to you about the progression of sin, the walking, standing, and sitting. There was this guy, and he was determined that he was going to lose some weight. 
We've all been there. Some of us have been there. He was determined he was going to lose some weight. And he knew there was two things he's going to have to do. If he was going to lose some weight, there's two things that's going to have to be true. One, he's going to have to get some exercise. And two, he's going to have to stay away from his arch nemesis, the Krispy Kreme Donuts. It just so happens that this guy was in a spot where he lived where Krispy Kreme was really close and was actually on the block where he would do his exercising. And he knew that if he was going to be a success in his weight loss adventure, that he was going to have to avoid the temptation of Krispy Kreme altogether. So on day one of his diet and exercise plan, he leaves his house and instead of making the basic block and going right past Krispy Kreme, he says, I know what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to stay away from that temptation. So he leaves the house and he bypasses Krispy Kreme donuts and all is well. For several days, he does really well. He keeps the temptation completely out of sight and he stays away from the thing that so entices him and so he runs his laps and runs his lap. But he was feeling really proud of himself one day and a little bit tired he said, you know, I've been doing so good that I think what I can do now is instead of going past, it's a little bit harder, a little bit longer. I've been doing really good. I think that it's okay now. I've come to a place where I can handle the temptation, and I think today I'll just keep my running in the most easy route. And it goes right past Krispy Kreme, but I'm over them. So the first day it works. The second day it works, but the third day he's a little bit extra tired. And when he gets to the corner where Krispy Kreme Donuts is, he's like, you know what? Oh, I don't think I'm going to be able to run uh, that little stretch. And he just walks past Krispy Kreme. But you know what happens when you walk past Krispy Kreme? If you eat enough Krispy Kreme, you won't be able to walk. I mean, anyway, he walks past Krispy Kreme. And as he walks past Krispy Kreme, how many of you can smell it already? He walks past Krispy Kreme and he starts looking over there in the window. <sighs> Shakes it off. Two or three days go by and the same thing happens. But the next thing you know, you know what? He's really extra tired today. And instead of walking past Krispy Kreme, we find him standing right in front of the window with his face plastered to the glass. Drool both sides. He's watching the donuts float down the awesome grease line and being flipped. And he's watching that glorious frosting that's made of lots of sugar cover all those glorious donuts. He's watching them go down the line and the whole time he's just standing there finally shakes it off. Oh, I gotta go. The next time we see this man, you know what he's doing? He's not walking past Krispy Kreme donuts. He's not standing with his face planted at the window. He is seated inside of Krispy Kreme donuts, eating a whole dozen by himself. And that's a very silly illustration of a very important point. We've got to have enough sense to know that we do not have in us the ability to overcome the temptation of sin. 
And sin is progressive. And a lot of folks have this idea, I'm just going to start a little bit. But a little bit of the wrong thing leads to more of the wrong thing. And ultimately the wrong thing, the sinful behavior, will take over you. And it becomes a captor and a captive. And it will ruin your life. So the Bible says to us, hey, listen, the blessed man does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, does not stand in the way of sinners, does not sit in the seat of the scornful. And if you've come to a place in your Christian life where you know the things that tempt you, you know the sin that easily besets you, I pray that you will have the courage and strength to say, I'm not even going to walk near because all of sin has a starting place. We need to have enough courage to do the right thing. Do you want to be happy? I'll tell you. You want to be blessed? The Bible teaches that we should stay away from sin. Stay away from sin. Number two, the second verse. Not only are we to stay away from sin, but we're also to stay in God's word. The Bible says something that makes it very plain right here in verse number two. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, the blessed man. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. We have a direct reference here to the word of God. You know that God has given us his word. We have the complete, inspired word of God. We have a guidebook for life. We have a, a, a text that helps us that was written and provided for us by our creator so that we can live and thrive in life. Aren't you glad? I'll tell you something. I've been preaching the Bible for 20 plus years and I, the longer I preach and study God's word, the more I love it. And maybe you're at a place in your Christian life right now that delighting in God's word does not describe you. I want to encourage you to do something. If you'll begin to eat and taste the word of God, not literally, but figuratively, you're going to find out that God's word is going to encourage and help you. We're to delight in God's word. I'll tell you the reason why most people do not delight in God's word is because they do not give it a chance. We're to delight in God's word. The Bible doesn't stop there. It says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. So the Bible says not only are we delighting in the word of God, but we are meditating in the word of God. That word meditate is not what most people get in their minds when they hear the word meditation. Sometimes when I hear the word meditation, I see some guy sitting Indian style with his hands in the air making weird moaning sounds. That's not Bible meditation. But the word meditate is something I think a lot of us in rural southwest Virginia can understand. The word meditate and the word that's used to describe an animal chewing its cud is the exact same word. You see, I've got some goats, and my goats, they are meditators. Did you know that? That's where you get goat yoga. I'm just kidding. <laughs> they don't sit Indian style and go, mm -hmm. Do you know what they do? They're meditators, it's for sure. They've got a routine. I really like it. They get up early in the morning, about daylight. You can see them go right in front of my house, back to the place where everything's grown up, and they're eating leaves, and they're picking this and finding that, and it's really fun to watch. They go and they pick and they eat, but in a little while, I'll give them a couple hours, they come back to a flat dirt spot that I've got that I can see out of the front of my house, and in that flat dirt spot, those goats lay, it must be cool there, so they lay in that dirt, and they're all sitting up, laying there, doing something interesting. They're going, 
There's not a bite of food inside, but they're just chewing away. A lot of you understand, know what I'm getting at. They're ruminants, and they have a system that God designed into them. They eat briars and leaves and things none of us could get any nutrition out of at all, and they eat a belly full of it. And what how God designed them is they go and they lay down, and here in a little bit they'll bring it up. They bring it out of their first stomach, and they chew it up a while and swallow it back down in another stomach. They bring it up, chew it a while, and swallow it back down. And eventually the process produces a food source that gives them the nutrition that they need. And my goats lay out there and they're meditating goats. And so the Bible says of you and I that we are to meditate on God's word. What's that mean? I'll tell you what it means. We're to take it. We're to read it. We're to bring it back up. Chew on it some more. Bring it back up. Chew on it some more. And we meditate and spend time with God's word in small portions until God has used that passage of Scripture to nourish us, to nurture us, to help us. You know, some people have the idea that the Christian life is a, is a bunch of check boxes. All right, I went to church this morning. I get extra credit, went to Sunday school this week. And if I went to Sunday school this week, I probably don't have to go to Wednesday night prayer meeting. That's great. But it, some people have this idea that the Christian life is some kind of bunch of check boxes. And one of the check boxes that we want to check off is, I read my Bible today. But I'll have you know something. You read your Bible and you say, For God's love the world, He gave His only begotten Son, who believed Check, got my Bible reading done today. Yeah. And 30 seconds later, you have no earthly clue about anything that you've read from God's Word. I'll just have you know something. You did a religious exercise that's going to profit you zero. The Bible calls on us to delight in God's word and to meditate in God's word. What's that mean? That means you take a little passage of scripture and you let the Lord teach you and you chew on it and you keep coming back to it. The Bible says that we're to meditate on his word day and night. That doesn't mean we're always got our nose in the Bible. That just means that God's word is something that we're learning and applying to our lives. You may be here and you have a hard time reading. I'll just tell you, I'm a very, very slow reader. I have a hard time reading. But I'll, know, I'll have you know that in this age in which we live, there are so many opportunities for you to be able to know and understand and meditate on God's word. And God says and teaches us, now look, if you're going to be happy, you're going to have to stay away from sin and you're going to have to stay in God's word. I'd encourage you. You, you, this is a good start. Every time I'm out in the pulpit, I try my best to take the Bible and, and teach the scriptures and apply the scriptures in a way that it makes sense and that it nourishes your Christian faith. Being in church is a wonderful starting point. Thank you. But in your own heart and life, you need to give time and place to God's word. How can you know how to live life unless you've consulted with the owner's manual for you and the creator's book of wisdom for us. You see, the Bible teaches that happy people stay away from sin and stay in God's word. What's your relationship right now to the Bible, to God's word? 
Have you put it to the side for so long that there's no way that delighting in the Bible could possibly describe you? I challenge you. You begin to meditate on God's word and learn passages of scripture in their context. I'm telling you right now, you'll find out that God's word is going to meet the needs of your life. It's going to encourage you and strengthen you and embolden you and give you peace in the midst of life's storm. Hey, listen, one of the keys to being happy is God's word. You see, if we're going to be blessed, happy, or stay away from sin, Stay in God's word. Then the Bible gives us two illustrations. One illustration is the illustration of what the person who is blessed looks like, and the other is the contrary. Look what the Bible says in verse number 3. The Bible says in verse number 3, The blessed man, he shall be like a tree. How many of you woke up this morning and said, You know what? I want to be a tree. If I could be anything, I want to be a tree. How many of you kids, what was more say, when I grow up, I want to be a tree? <laughs> you make it look that funny. But I think when I describe to you what the Bible and how the Bible describes the blessed Christian, the happy Christian as a tree, I think it'll help you. Look what the Bible says. The Bible says that he shall be like a tree planted. Now, I want you to imagine this tree, and I want you to imagine this tree, first of all, planted. That word planted is probably one of my top five favorite words in the entire Bible. I love this word planted. I'll tell you why. How many of you have ever uh, been in a place where there was a forest and the forest at random grew up? We've seen that, right? Have you ever been in an apple orchard and you saw where the apple trees were planted? I've got a funny planting story. It's gardening time. When my boys were little, we'd set out a garden and I had tilled a, a row. We were going to plant some onions as early on. And I had those little onion bulb sets and I, I got the boys started. I, I tilled up a good row. We hoed out a, a hollow where we could put the seeds in. And I told them, I said, all right, here, boys, here's a bag of these onion uh, bulb sets, seeds, whatever you want to call them. I said, uh, I said, well, what I want you to do, and I began to make an example. I said, just put them in there, just set them right on top of the ground and put them about that far apart. Y'all got it? About the width of your hoe, about, about that far apart. Yes, sir, we got it. They were just little. I gave them a bag full, and I did a few, and then I left to do something else. I said, when you get done, just cover it up, and uh, we'll wait on the Lord to send the rain. And here in a few minutes, I came back. They were done. I said, wow, way to go, guys. That's awesome. Until they started coming up, and I realized what had happened. The first one was right, and the second one, the third one. They did a few right. And the next thing you know, as they were coming up, they kept getting closer and closer and closer. And at the end of the row, I had the most glorious onion clump you've ever seen. <laughs> when they got to the end of the row, those rats, they just poured the whole bag right in the end and covered it up. And I taught them a valuable lesson. Be sure your sins will find you out. <laughs> Plant. Now, you plant them right. Why? Why do you plant them a certain space? Because you know how much space they need in order to grow and to thrive. And so, apple trees. Apple trees, they, we don't, apple orchards aren't just throw the seed and scatter it like grass seed. Apples or trees are planted in rows at certain distance apart depending on the variety. Why? Because the person, the the apple grower understands the tree and says, I need to plant it this far apart in order that it might get the greatest yield. 
Now, here's what I love about this verse. The Bible says that if you will just simply attempt to stay away from sin with God's help and stay in God's word, the Bible says you'll be like a tree planted. I remember as a young man thinking I'd hate to, to, to miss God's will for my life. As a young guy, I wanted to make sure that I went to the right college and had the right profession. I wanted to make sure I met the right wife. and I, I, These things were really important to me. And sometimes you could sit and think about, oh, man, what if I just absolutely mess up? What if I make the wrong decision? What if I do the wrong thing? And I'll just tell you, that thought and the potential for that worry, it doesn't go away at any point in life. How many of you ever think, boy, I sure hope I don't blow this decision? Oh, I don't mess this up. Well, there's great hope in this verse of Scripture because the Bible says that if you'll stay away from sin and stay in God's Word, you'll be like a tree. Not just any tree, but a tree planted, intentionally placed by God at a certain place for a certain purpose, providentially put where God wants you to be. I don't know about you, but that gives me great peace. You know what else? It makes me happy to know that if I'll give God my best, that he'll put me right where I need to be. I'm so thankful for that promise. You know what the Bible says? Hey, look, if you'll stay away from sin and stay in God's word, you'll be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The more I read this, the more I think being a tree doesn't sound too bad, does it? It continues in verse 3. He says, you shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. The rivers of water. You see that? What do trees need to live? I'll tell you, dirt and water. What does God say? God says, if you'll stay away from sin and in my word, hey, look, I'll plant you by the rivers of water. How many of you ever worry about if you're not going to have enough? If the necessities of life are going to fail you? I'll just tell you, God says, I'm going to meet your needs. I'm going to make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When you see the rivers of water in the trees, life, you know that it has all the nourishment that it actually needs. I'm liking this. I want to be a tree. He says, if you'll stay away from sin and stay in my word, I'll plant you like a tree by the rivers of water. And it continues, verse 3, that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. God says, now listen, if you'll obey me, stay away from sin. He says, I'll make you like a tree, and you can produce fruit. How many of you like the idea of the rest of your life being absolutely useless? Sounds great, doesn't it? I don't know about you, but I really, from the depths of my soul, I want to bear fruit in my Christian life. I want to influence people. I want to be a blessing to people. I want to love folks. I want to be a godly father and a loving and godly husband. And I want to be a great friend. I want my life to count. And God says here in his word that I'm going to give you purpose in life. And I'm going to give you fruit in life. You stay away from sin and stay in my word. I'll make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I think it's sweet and a sweet promise that if I'll submit my way and will to God Almighty, he'll give me fruit. I want it. I want to be a tree. It doesn't stop there. The promises are sweet. It says, 
And he shall be like a tree, verse 3, planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. Look at this next one. His leaf also shall not wither. What causes leaves to wither? Droughts. What causes leaves to wither? Big storms and the limbs break off of the trees and the leaves wither. What causes leaves to wither? Hot sun. Now the Bible says that for the child of God, the blessed man, he has the opportunity to be like the tree. And the Bible says his leaf also shall not wither. Do you ever worry that there's going to be some storm, not literal but figurative, some storm blow through that you're just not going to be able to survive it? There's going to be some trouble, some tragedy, some issue that's bigger than you, and you're just going to wither up and die. Now, we live in fear. I know. God has called us to live in faith. And when you, with God's help, determine to stay away from sin and stay in God's word, guess what he says? You can be like a tree. I want to be like a tree. He says, you're like a tree, your leaf won't wither. You don't have to fear the storms, the drought, the hot burning sun. God's promised to make you like a tree. The scripture continues and says this in the last phrase of verse number three, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. I like that. I'm not telling you that there's some prosperity gospel. You give to God and you'll have millions in the bank. And I don't believe that mess. It's a lie. But I will tell you this. God will give you a prosperous living life. Something that matters for eternity. If you'll stay away from sin and stay in his word. Whatever you do shall prosper. Hey. I'll tell you right now, I want to be a tree. I want to be one of God's trees. I want him to put me where I need to be. I want him to bless me. I want to be like God's tree. You see, the Bible teaches that the blessed man, the happy man, stays away from sin, stays in God's word, is like a tree. But there's an alternative. Look at the Bible says in verse 4. There is an alternative. In verse 4, the Bible says, The ungodly are not so. The ungodly aren't like the chaff. Let's talk about the word ungodly for just a minute. The word godly means giving regard to God. If you're a godly person, that means that you make decisions thinking, what would God do in this situation? This week, I was getting on the interstate. I'm sure that you've never had anything like this happen, but I was getting on the interstate this week, and I was trying to merge on the interstate, and there was a guy in a Dodge truck from New Jersey that was... He blocked me. He was literally blocking me from getting on interstate. I wasn't being unkind or nothing. I got up there, got ready to merge. When I would speed up, he would speed up. When I slow down, he would slow down. And so first reaction was I floored it. I'm like, I'm going to get around him. But he was going so fast, I thought, I'm going to run out of rain. I was like, and, and I had this moment. I don't always have the godly response, but this time I did. I said, I mean, what can I do? I just slowed down and merged when I could. And then the next temptation came, godly, ungodly. You know, the little devils and angels on your shoulders. God, I passed the guy. Here's my chance. I thought, no, it ain't worth it. Just keep on going. Just act like nothing ever happened. 
And fortunately, I had a godly moment because I regarded what the Lord would have me to do. There have been instances where it was ungodly. You see, what I want you to know is it's not a matter of saved and lost. It's possible for saved people to be ungodly. And as a matter of fact, it happens a lot in Christian life where they just get to the place where no longer do they give regard to what God really wants in their lives. They began to live their own lives. And a time there was a time and season of life where what God thought and wanted for you mattered, but then ungodly. The Bible says the ungodly, and you know the bottom line is the ungodly person lets sin creep in their life. It may not be adultery or fornication or theft or murder, but bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and gossip and you fill in your blank, faithlessness. But what happens is in an ungodly person, they get to the place where they let sin have a place and they're walking or standing or sitting. And they've neglected God's word. And the Bible says the ungodly is not like a tree. Look what it says, verse 4. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Chaff. I'll explain to you what chaff is. Chaff is the peeling on the outside of a grain of wheat. Have you seen the pictures of the golden fields of wheat? I can see them blowing in the wind right now. And the way that's harvested is with a combine. And a combine comes through and cuts that off at the ground. And the, the stalk becomes straw. And the top is, uh, is what contains the meat, the, the, the grain, the wheat grain. And the, uh, the wheat grain is run through a series of screens and a, the combine machine. And ultimately, it separates the wheat from the chaff. The wheat is a little grainy, whitey-looking ball that comes out of the, the head of that wheat and is ground into flour and becomes yeast rolls at Texas Roadhouse. Hallelujah. <laughs> the grain is the profitable part, and the chaff is the dust that you see flying out of the bottom of the... It's the peeling. Now let's take a pop quiz. How many of you love a pop quiz? Here we go. I think you can pass. Let's peel a banana. All right, here we go. Peel your banana. You've got the banana in your left hand. You've got the peeling in your right hand. Answer my question. What do you do with the banana on the count of three? One, two, three. Eat it. You're right. What do you do with the peeling? One, two, three. Throw it away. Let's peel it. If you eat banana peels, that's gross. <laughs> Just so you know. All right, so then oranges. Oranges. Let's peel an orange. We have the orange in our left hand. We have the peeling in our right hand. What do we do with the orange? One, two, three. Eat it. What do we do with the peeling? Throw it away. Someone confessed after the morning early service that they eat orange peels. That's disgusting. <laughs> Throw it away. You see, the Bible says that the blessed man, the godly man, the blessed man is like a tree. Man, whatsoever he does shall prosper. It's going to be okay. There's reason to be happy and joyful. But the ungodly are not so. The Bible says the ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. I'll just tell you, the Bible says something really plain. If you've come to a place in your Christian life where living godly is no longer important, the Bible says you're not like a tree. 
You're like the peeling. What's the peeling? It's trash. You throw, you're throwing away your life. You're throwing away your opportunity. You're throwing away. And most of the time, you know why we're, people are throwing things away? They're throwing their lives away in pursuit of happiness that can't ever be found in any type of accomplishment on earth. Yeah, sure, there are moments where sinful things make us happy for a minute. But true peace and joy and happiness is found in the blessing of God. You can't have the blessing of God when you live in contradiction to him and his word. You see, the message of Psalm 1 is don't throw your life away. Don't throw your life away. Hey, look, if there's folks you need to say, I'm sorry to say it. If there's a habit that you need to quit, stop it. If you need help, reach out for help. You're not alone. If you got into a habit of being grouchy and irritable and unforgiving and you don't have a Christian demeanor of late, look, straighten up. You see, the key to being happy is to stay away from sin, stay in God's word. And the Bible says you can be like a tree. <laughs> I'll tell you what, when I grow up, I want to be a tree. You can be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Oh, what a great promise we get from God's word. It's pretty simple. You stay away from sin, stay in God's word. You can be happy. Oh, it's good to be happy. You can only find it in the Lord. Let's pray.